You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. So, Steve, did Ava Gardner and Howard Hughes have a good relationship? Well, they did until he dislocated her jaw. What? Well, don't worry. She hit him back with an ashtray. From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast. Welcome to our couch. Take a seat. It's time for therapy. Movie therapy. Hey, movie therapy listeners. It is me, Kristen. Kristen with another bonus episode just for you. What you're about to hear is an appearance I made on the podcast, Therapy Rocks. Therapy Rocks is a show about navigating life, the ups and downs of it, the good and the bad, hosted by psychotherapist Signe Darpinian. In addition to hosting Therapy Rocks, Signe co-wrote a book called Raising Body Positive Teens, A Parent's Guide to Diet-Free Living, Exercise, and Body Image. It's a terrific book, and full disclosure, she asked me to contribute my thoughts on inclusive body-positive media, so there's a little bit of me in that book as well. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe to Therapy Rocks wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And now, on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Therapy Rocks, a personal growth podcast. I'm your host, Signa Darpinian, co-author of No Way, a teen's guide to positive body image food, and emotional wisdom. Today, we're talking with someone who has a totally different spin on therapy, and she knows a lot about podcasts. Kristen Meinzer is an award-winning podcaster, culture critic, royal watcher, and author. She's the host of Movie Therapy with Rafer and Kristen, a podcast in which listeners write in with their quandaries, and she and her co-host, Rafer Guzman, respond with a mix of advice and viewing recommendations. She also hosts By the Book, a podcast in which she and her co-host, Jolinta Greenberg, live by the rules of a different self-help book in each episode. Kristen's book, So You Want to Start a Podcast?, won the Audio Award for Best Business and Professional Development Audiobook in 2020. She was named a 2020 Woman of the Year by the Women's Center in Washington, D.C., and this year, 2021, she was selected by the U.S. Department of State to serve in the U.S. Speakers Program, working with South African storytellers, shining a light on gender-based violence. Kristen, welcome to the show. 
Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me here today. I'm so excited. Kristen, I have been listening to your movie therapy podcast nonstop while I'm walking around in my neighborhood. And I'll just be trekking along and then all of a sudden just like bust out loud, just like burst out. (laughs) And it's like always in front of a neighbor, always. So that makes me so happy. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you for listening. And uh, it's obviously a very different kind of therapy than you do. Oh, gosh. I actually do movie therapy in my own therapy as well. So you're in good company. But you do it as a professional. We do it as film critics. So yeah. uh, Note to anyone listening now, listen to her, not to us. (laughs) If you need need real movie therapy, if you need humorous movie therapy, then you can listen to us. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, you know, I really like in the first chapter of So You Want to Start a Podcast, you start by asking the reader to contemplate why they want to embark on a podcasting journey. And Kristen, I thought I would ask you, why did you decide to co-host Movie Therapy with Rafer? Uh, I love this question so much because it speaks to the value of having a community. So Years ago, Rafer and I used to host a movie review podcast for WNYC. We would interview, you know, all the celebrities and directors who would come through New York about their latest movies. We would review the latest releases and so on. And we had this little segment on the show called Movie Therapy, where occasionally, maybe once every fifth episode, somebody would write or call in and say, hey, I'm in this predicament. What movie should I watch? For example, you know, I am on the job hunt and I'm getting really discouraged. Can you give me a movie to keep my spirits up while I hunt for a job? Or I've been fighting a lot with my teenager lately. My teenager's becoming more and more independent and there's a lot of push and pull. What movie can you prescribe for us to watch together where we can both appreciate the journey we're on? And so we would get questions like that back in the day. And we hosted that show for six and a half years. And then I moved on to another job and I did other things. I hosted other shows, including By the Book, including um, my Royals podcast when Megan met Harry. But Then COVID hit, and in the very early days of COVID, some of our old listeners tracked us down on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, and so on, and they wrote to us and said, would you bring back some version of the old podcast, one where you just do movie therapy for us? Because there are so many of us at home right now who are spending more time than ever just with our TV sets. Uh, We don't know what to watch. We don't know how to deal with the anxiety and the grief and the frustrations and the fighting with our spouses in a way that makes sense right now. And movie therapy might just be the best way for it. So all these folks just came out of the woodwork. And we're so thankful we have that community because if not for them, it never would have occurred to us to relaunch the show. So in March of 2020, we started putting together a few episodes. And then in April of 2020, we started releasing them into the world. And before you know it, we, you know, we're getting more and more letters. And now the show has been out for a year. And I believe we've received over 500 letters so far in the last year. It's just wonderful because we also have a Facebook community where they can all talk to each other and ask each other for advice or disagree with me and Rafer with our prescriptions because, you know, Rafer and I are not professional therapists. I've already said this. We share our own stories. We give some empathy. We bring some humor to the table, hopefully. And then 
we prescribe a movie or TV show that we think, you know, would make us feel better, but maybe it won't make everybody else feel better. So yeah, we try to create a space where people can debate our prescriptions, where they can talk to each other and feel a real sense of belonging to something, especially right now, because so many of us feel so isolated and so alone during COVID. I can't believe the timing. It's so perfect. Because everybody is, you know, you'll even see it on your Facebook feeds. Like, does anybody have any show recommendations, movie recommendations? It's just perfect timing. And I actually really like how the two of you don't always agree about each other's (laughs) movie prescriptions. In one of the episodes, I was cracking up because Rafer was asking you what you thought about his movie prescription. And you said, well, my head almost fell off because I was shaking it this entire time. (laughs) And that's one of the times that I busted up in front of a neighbor. So anyway, yeah. But I like that, like you say in your book, to agree with the co-host all the time would be disingenuous. It would be disingenuous and it would probably be boring too. I mean, Rafer and I agree on a lot of things philosophically. We believe in having empathy. We believe that there's no one right or wrong path in life. And our lives are very different. You know, um, he's Latino and from the West Coast. I'm Asian and I'm from the Midwest. He's married with two kids. And, you know, I didn't even get married until a few years ago. And he's been with his wife for 25 years now, I think. We have different interests. If he were forced to watch every Fast and Furious movie back to back, he would be so thrilled. He'd say, bring me the scotch. I'm going to drink some scotch and watch all of these. And I would say, I'm going to put on my headphones so I can listen to something else so I don't have to really pay attention to the Fast and Furious movies. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we have different tastes and things. And he also loves really obscure art house films. And I think those are fine, but I don't always find them especially soothing when I'm in a conundrum. And I find oftentimes what soothes me the most is a made-for-television movie from, you know, Lifetime or <laughs> from another lowbrow network that may bring me some other joy or escapism or comfort that, you know, he would never turn to. Sometimes when the two of you are dialoguing, and even though you have different perspectives about the same quandary that's been written in, it's like there's truth in what both of you are saying. Oh, yeah. And you'll hear that a lot because sometimes the perspective is just different because he's a little older than me or because he is a man or his own baggage that he brings and his own mistakes he's made versus my baggage and my mistakes that I've made and so on. And so both of us can be 100% right, even if we disagree with each other. I've really liked it. One thing that I also like about this question that you ask podcasters to think about in the first chapter, it's like, know your why. Why? Why do you want to start a podcast? And what I've found, and I'm sure you found this too, is that this is applicable in so many areas. I've, I now am using it for other things, you know, that don't have to do with podcasting, but I think it's such a good starting place. Know your why. Yeah. Why are you doing this and who is it for? And I say that to everybody who approaches me about podcasting. I consult with businesses, with universities, with people who are just starting out. And over and over again, I ask them that question. And so many of them say, no one ever told me I should ask that question. I just thought everybody was doing it. And wow, yeah, why am I making it? And who is it for? I always say, if your podcast is for everybody, it's really for nobody. Because I hear that answer a lot. I talk with people and they'll say, oh, I'm making it because shouldn't everyone have a podcast now? And who is it for? It's for everybody. I say, no, we need you to get a little bit more specific here because you're not going to be able to reach your listeners if you don't know who they are. And there are listeners who want to hear what you have to say. There are listeners who will benefit from your message. You just need to think about who they are first. And it's not everybody. It's specific people, just like your show. 
Right. No, exactly. And when you do the know your why, I also kind of think it's interesting that sometimes my why, whether it's about podcasting or writing a book or whatever it is, I do it for all kinds of things now. It's sort of like a starting place. Um, sometimes my reasons, my why is a little bit shady. Sometimes I have shady reasons <laughs> on my list, but as long as my good reasons that are in alignment and in integrity with me outweigh the shady ones, I'm cool with that. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, there's no right or wrong answer for that either. Your reason why you're making the show may indeed just be, I'm making an audio journal for myself, or I'm doing this so I have something to pass on to my children or grandchildren, or I'm doing this because I'm trying to market my brand. There are a lot of reasons, but, sure. you know, I think we should be honest with ourselves about what those reasons are, too. You I know? think so, too. Don't, don't say it's a virtuous reason if the reason isn't virtuous. Be honest with yourself. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break, but when we're back, more of me on Therapy Rocks. So the Movie Therapy Podcast, Movie Therapy listeners, they write in a quandary, mm -hmm. and you and Rafer each prescribe a movie that resonates with whatever is ailing them. Mm -hmm. And Kristen... I've given you some letters from our Therapy Rocks listeners who have written in. Uh, will you read one and show us how it works? Yes. Okay. Let's do okay, it. I'm excited. All right. All right. Here is a letter from someone who says, I'm a film major student taking a break in school because of COVID. I'm in between things right now, and the lack of structure has me down. I'm worried if I go back in the fall, I will have lost track of my goals, motivation, and work ethic as a student. Oh, I love this letter. I do too. I love this letter because I feel like it's so self-aware. And it's also, I just have to say to the letter writer, so universal. You're not alone right now. It's not just you. It's not just students. It's a lot of people who have... Uh, jobs right now. It's a lot of people who used to have passions that they were working on, whether it was, you know, trying to write a book or trying to finish that giant knitting project. I think a lot of people have taken breaks because of COVID and are feeling just like you in between things right now. Don't you think so? I do. Yeah. And it's such an uncomfortable feeling, that ambiguous in between things. We like to know where we stand, but we can't always. Yes. And I just want to say that in most of life, it's not going to be clean cut exactly where we are. Sometimes we'll watch a movie or we'll read a book and everything is in distinct chapters. And this is the chapter when you go to school. And this is the chapter oh. when you get your first internship. And this is the chapter where you get a job. And this is the chapter where you fall in love. And this is the chapter when you get married, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that's not the way life is. And that's part of what makes life so wonderful, that it is not just those chapters. And thank goodness. So I say as much as it may feel uncomfortable, embrace that discomfort a little bit and be okay with the fact that not everything is predictable right now because I am going to tell you something. Um, there's going to be a point in your life, perhaps, when you're working a job you don't like and every day is going to feel predictable and you'll think, mm. gosh, I really wish I had something unpredictable in my life. But, you know, that that's 2020 hindsight that's going to be down the road in 20 years. But I do have a prescription for you that I think might make you feel a little bit better. So Okay, so so what's your movie therapy prescription, Kristen? It is a movie from 2008 called Sunshine Cleaning. <gasps> and do you know this movie Sunshine I know Cleaning? It. 
I know it. Oh. I was hoping I would know the movie, but I did. Oh, I love it. Oh, I, I just love this movie. It's currently streaming on HBO, but, you know, it's obviously available in a lot of other places as well. It stars Amy Adams and Emily Blunt, yes. and they are two sisters, one who's kind of unreliable, one who has a lot on her plate as a single mom. And they're, you know, everything's kind of up in the air. And not everything's easy in the relationships between those two certainly not easy at all. But they have to kind of find a way to make do when things don't feel predictable. And it doesn't always go smoothly. And sometimes there are tears, sometimes there are fights, sometimes things are just terrible. But along the way, they learn a little bit about themselves. They realize who they have to lean on in life. And they realize things don't have to be linear for you to get to where you want to go to. And I just think the acting is terrific. The writing is terrific. It's a fun, snappy movie. It was nominated for a lot of awards also uh, when it was out in 2008. It's actually a great film. It really is. It really is. Is is it also the one where their job at the time is going in and cleaning up the houses of people who have passed on? You are correct. They are cleaning ladies for people who have died, uh, crime scene cleanups and so on. And they're dealing with some grisly things at times. But this is what they have to do for the situation that they're in. And it's not anything they ever dreamed of doing or planned on doing. Sometimes that's just the way life is going to be. We're going to end up doing things we didn't plan on, things that weren't part of the agenda. But We'll stick to it and we'll muddle through what we have to to get to the next thing. And I really believe our letter writer will do that too. You may not be doing what you planned on doing right now or next year from now. You may be muddling through rather than going full speed ahead, but that's okay. You're still going to be moving to the direction you want to move into, hopefully appreciating the moment that you're in at the time, even if it's not the moment you thought you would be in. Kristen, you and Rafer... You each seem to know your roles on the show, and you make it seem so effortless. And I I know that it's not, but it's so smooth and so seamless. What's your best advice to podcasters thinking about a co-host? Well, I think that I've been incredibly lucky with my co-host, so I will just own up to that here and now that a lot of this was just great luck. Um, Rafer and I were kind of thrown together to be hosts at WNYC. He was the film critic, and I was his producer, and he wanted to host a podcast at a certain point, and I produced the pilot of his first podcast, and the higher-up said, no, we want you on together because we hear you two debating movies in the hallway, and it's really entertaining because of how much you disagree. So, Rafer, you're not going to host the show alone. Kristen's going to host it with you. And Rafer very graciously was like, okay, that's fine, and and let me co-host with him. I just feel incredibly lucky that he and I already had a dynamic where – We like each other quite a bit, and I think that that is important for hosting. Not all hosts like each other, but they learn how to fake it sometimes. Even when they fake it, you can hear they don't really like each other. So it's always a bonus if you and your co-host like each other. And it's also important if you know up front what your roles are. So with Rafer, he is a member of the New York Film Critics Circle. He's a very respected critic. And he used to be a rock critic as well for the Wall Street Journal and for Rolling Stone. I think he brings a lot of respectability to the show. Mm. And I think I bring something that is maybe a little more, uh, one of my bosses said this in kind of a condescending way, but I think he meant it as a compliment, something a little bit more proletariat, I think is what he said. Mm. Um Where I'm willing to maybe bring up a lot of the movies that people roll their eyes at. I'm going to prescribe Christmas (laughs) movies even if it's the summertime. I'm going to see 
the beauty of certain reality TV shows that Rafer would never touch with a 10-foot pole. Um, and I think that that's part of what makes our show so good because both of our roles are important. A lot of what I'm prescribing is probably speaking to things that people maybe enjoy a lot but don't talk about a lot. And a lot of what Rafer is prescribing is so great that everyone should see it anyway, <laughs> just because it's going to make your life better if you see this beautiful Czech New Wave film or whatnot. Um, and also, he is not afraid to skew a little bit broy sometimes. Like I said, he likes the Fast and Furious movies, and he likes monster movies, and he likes Godzilla and so on. And I'm I'm not into those things quite as much as Rafer is. Exactly. And I like how you say in Chapter 15 of your book um, about dealing with co-host conflict, you say, you know how kids always have an idea if their parents are fighting? Well, listeners also know, even if you're doing your darndest to sound jolly, like they can feel it. Yeah, I have been the producer on shows before where the co-hosts don't like each other. And listeners write in and say, why does it always sound like mommy and daddy are fighting? Because oh, they can hear it. They can hear yeah. the tension between the hosts. And I think a little bit of tension is fine because I like this kind of movie and you like that kind of movie, or I love sure. this kind of TV show and you like that one. That's the kind of disagreement you can laugh about and not diminish each other and not um, minimize or put down the other person. Right. Or if you are putting them down, you're doing it tongue in cheek and laughing about it. And mm -hmm. you're not really trying to minimize them as a person in any way. But if there's something deeper going on where you don't respect your co-host, right. where you don't think they're smart, you don't think their contributions are valid, people are going to hear that. Yeah, And, you know, some people just come to resent their co-host just because of things that are not being talked about. It's like any relationship. Even if you are roommates with somebody and you started off as best friends, sometimes there are things that are needing to be discussed as a roommate that maybe you wouldn't have discussed if you were just friends. And I feel like co-hosts, it's the same way. It's like, we got to have the conversation about who's going to buy the toilet paper. I've been building up resentment right. and I haven't been saying anything. And that's why I sound so angry every time I'm on the microphone with you, because we need to talk about the freaking toilet paper. Right. And, you know, talk about the toilet paper. Um, and you and Rafer are also a diverse co-host team. Yeah, as I mentioned, yeah, as I mentioned, he's Latino and I'm Asian. And that just happens to be who we are. <laughs> but I also am really grateful for that because the majority of podcast hosts, over two thirds of them are white men. Um, yeah. Most podcast hosts are white and most podcast hosts are male. I think one of the great gifts of podcasting is there aren't the same gatekeepers as there are with, let's say, network TV or cable TV or with uh, film studios or with publishing houses. Mm -hmm. With podcasting, we don't need gatekeepers. And so we, people who normally TV doesn't want on, you know, I, I will say years ago, I got called in for an interview for a TV show. And I didn't realize it was an on-screen role. Um, I thought it was behind the scenes, but I didn't think I was that hideous looking. And I went in and they made it really clear that I was not pretty enough to be on TV. <gasps> I was very demoralized. It was very sad. And I thought, my God, I didn't even know I had to be on camera for this job. And now I'm being told I'm not pretty enough. I'm just, I'm way too ugly for anyone to want to look at. And it made me feel lousy. But what I think is really interesting is because with podcasting, with YouTube, with a lot of these more indie media sort of endeavors, we don't have a gatekeeper. We can decide for ourselves. Like, I don't care if you think I'm ugly. I'm making a podcast. And guess what? My podcasts are now so popular that I get invited onto TV to do the same thing. TV right. shows invite me on to talk about the royals or to talk about movies or whatnot. And that's all because I bypass the gatekeepers 
And now the gatekeepers see my value and they don't think I'm too ugly to be on TV. Now they invite me right. on all the time. You just answered the question I was going to ask next. Do people make assumptions about you? So your name, Kristen Meinzer, right? Oh, yeah. And your accent, what do you, what shows up? I'm very Minnesotan. Yep. People hear the Minnesotan in me. Right. And yeah, I, I hear assumptions all the time. People write in regularly and say, ha, 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 I just saw a picture of you online. I wanted to see what you look like. And isn't that hilarious? I presume this whole time that you were a tall, blonde, white lady. Isn't that hilarious? And I think, oh, maybe it was funny to you, but I don't know why you're writing to tell me this because it just makes makes me feel like you're showing off your mistake to me. And you don't need to show off that mistake to me. You can keep that to yourself. Yeah, wow. Yeah, and and I'm not surprised because I think uh, in our culture, in the U.S., in North America, for the most part, we treat white as the default. And when we think of what does an Asian person sound like, more often than not, in most of the U.S. entertainment industry's history, Asian people have been forced to put on a foreigner accent when they are Mm in a movie or a TV show or whatnot. We're not allowed to sound like Americans, even though 22 million of us are. Um, So I think that it kind of makes sense that some people just assume that all the characters are white when they're reading a book, or they assume that the people are white that they're listening to on a radio show. It makes sense that they do. But you don't need to write me to tell me that. You can examine your own assumptions on your own and think about, why did I think that? What parts of culture am I taking without examining? Um, and why did I feel the need to write to Kristen to tell her this? Yeah. And I'm not sure if they're writing to confess to me because they feel bad about it or because they actually think I'll find it funny. I'm not sure. But, you know, and, and I don't mean to scold those people either. They are products of the same culture that I live in and that you live in. And that's what the culture feeds them. But that's something that, you know, is a problem with the culture, not something that you have to, like, tell me about. <laughs> right. I think you make such strong points in the book because you talk about, you know, how a diverse team differentiates you. And a diverse yes. team means the potential to reach more listeners, you say, and have more diverse sources Absolutely. and fewer blind spots. Absolutely. And one thing that I am so proud of with me and Rafer on our podcast, the majority of top 10, top 20, top 100 film podcasts that are on the Apple charts the vast majority are hosted by white dudes who mm. don't even realize that they only discuss um, movies that are by white dudes starring white dudes. You are never going to hear an episode of Movie Therapy where every movie stars a white dude. Every episode you're going to hear movies that are led by women, directed by women, uh, led by queer people, led by people of color. That's partly just, you know, not because Rafer and I set out to do that on purpose, but that's partly because Rafer and I are bringing our own identity and history to the show. So, of course, these are things that are part of our lives, things that we see ourselves in, things that, you know, make us feel more validated. So that's what we're going to prescribe to others. In the same chapter, you know, you talk about how some people will say, like, well, I don't know how to find a person of color, you know, to do this particular episode. And you say, Google the words you're afraid to Google. Yes. So, you know, I think that a lot of us were taught to be colorblind, to never look up words like Asian or Black or Latino. Um, Oh, I just want to find the best physicist for this story. I don't want to have to like choose a female Black one. Well, why not? 
If there are so many great qualified physicists in the world, why not choose the black one, the woman? Um, There are collegial and professional organizations for so many different identities out there that will make it easy for you to track down that person. Type in that word, woman, black physicist, and then see all the award-winning superstar physicists whose names come up. And I guarantee you'll think all of them are qualified. Why not reach out to them? Why reach out to the same 25 white male physicists that all the other shows are reaching out to? After reading the chapter about your rule around not soliciting feedback about your podcast from people who love you, okay? But I have one little thing I have to get off my chest about this that's that's for me personally. It bothers me that like some people close to me don't take the time to listen, but you're, you give this really balanced perspective. It's like, get over it. They don't need to be a part of your creative project, right? They don't need to, but it's really funny because somebody actually wrote me a letter very recently and said, Kristen, your book... I I thought all of it was great, except the not asking your loved ones for feedback. I almost got divorced because of your book. The person was obviously speaking in hyperbole, but was saying, my wife thought that maybe I was recording something salacious and that I wouldn't let her listen to it. And I just kept saying to her, no, I don't want you to have to give me feedback. And then finally, it turned into an explosive fight. She said that she was tired of the, you know, duplicity and the secrets. And so I let her listen to the podcast and it was just me talking about sports. And, (laughs) you know, (laughs) but I'm not saying to keep secrets from your partners. What I'm saying is don't force your partners to give you feedback. Don't force them to. If they really want to listen, that's fine. If they really want to listen to your podcast, that's okay. Or even, yeah, no, don't force them to listen. I think it really is sound advice. It's just a little like, oh, you can't, you know, take 30 minutes to listen, but it's annoying and they come out all the time and it's just not appropriate. I totally agree with you. I'm just saying I'm not very evolved. Yeah. And they love you and they don't want to hurt your feelings. People who love you probably don't want to hurt your feelings. Right, Um, right. You know, hopefully they don't want to hurt your feelings and they want to encourage you and they don't necessarily know how to give you the feedback that you need. Exactly. They may know that, oh, well, this was good, but I wasn't sure about this, but they may not necessarily know how to give you feedback on story, on structure, on certain things that are specific to telling stories in an audio format. And there are other people who can help you with that. There are millions of other podcasters out there. There are over 2 million podcasts in the world. Right. And there are other people you can workshop with that, you know, you can uh, build groups with where you have, you know, podcast listening clubs and so on where you can help each other out. And there are so many communities online, Facebook communities like She Podcasts, which has 20,000 members who help each other every day and ask questions. There are so many people who would love to help you and don't have that extra burden of trying not to hurt your feelings. I couldn't agree more. And and it is textbook. And in this case, I mean your textbook, because <laughs> you'll ask people close to you, you're like, oh my gosh, you're doing what you always wanted to do. I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, anybody can, you know, like 2 million people are doing this too, unless you're with a network <laughs> like you are. And okay, so, and you're right, it, you don't, you're not really getting the feedback that you need to actually get better, which is why I decided um, after reading your book, I'm like, you know what, I'm going to hunt around and see if Kristen does podcast consulting. And there it was. 
And not only, <laughs> yeah, there it was, Dr. Podcast Consults. And not only do you do podcast consulting for independent podcasters like me, you also do them for organizations. Mm-hmm. And I've got to say, it was the best investment I could have ever made. Some of the feedback, it just, I mean, I, you know, always working on it, right? But it just changed the quality in such a big way. And can I give one funny example? Yeah, this is so kind, by the way. My heart is bursting because of how kind you are. Oh my gosh, it was so helpful. Okay, but my favorite one that just cracks me up and my engineer, Kevin Curtin, he wrote my intro and outro music. And so we always (laughs) crack up about this one. So, you know, when I very first started and I hadn't sent my podcast your way yet for any kind of feedback, I love, he found this perfect song for me. And I loved it so much that in the intro, I mean, I had it playing for like 35 seconds, Kristen. And I'd just be like (laughs) rocking out, doing air guitar. I'm like, Kevin's so right. It like checks all the boxes. I love it. And when you first gave me your feedback, you said, I I wasn't sure if I accidentally hit my iTunes playlist. Am I I on a podcast right now? You're like, you always got to have that down to about 15 seconds. I'm like, oh, I didn't know. So there was that. It's great music, by the way. It really is. Well, I totally agree. But yeah, I really did think like, oh, am I listening to the right thing? Oops. (laughs) Oh, oh, I totally agree. But it's easy to get lost. And it's not a pretty sight, that whole air guitar thing. (laughs) And then one of the other ones that just blew my mind, it should have been common sense, but it was not, is just simply don't ask two or three part questions. (laughs) <laughs> we all do that in real life, though, all the time. It's just a normal conversational thing. I do. But we have to be slightly different on a podcast than in real life for it to be the best experience for our guest, to get the best answers, to make the best listening for our listeners. Uh, a two or three part question, we might get the answer to one of those questions if we're lucky in there. But in real life, we do this all the time. So I understand why people do it when they're starting out. Like you say, one question at a time is plenty. And now that I know that and do my best to live by that rule, I don't always succeed. But now I notice it in other podcasts. You know, when people are asking two and three part questions, I'm like, no, you can't do that. One is plenty. (laughs) And you'll notice the poor guest never gets around to part two or part three. Right. They'll try to, but they can never get there. Yeah. Right. Right. So the one question is what the guests will remember and what the listeners will remember. Mm -hmm. It's time for one more quick break, but when we're back, more of Me on Therapy Rocks. If you had one tip on the craft of podcasting, what would it be? Ooh, on the craft of podcasting. Mm -hmm. On the craft. Structure, structure, Mm. structure, structure. Um, And I know a lot of folks, especially when they're first starting out with podcasts, say, I just want it to be, you know, I want to shoot from the hip. I, I just want it to feel natural, unedited, raw, real. I don't want to have to follow a roadmap or a script. I don't want to read anything off the page. And my answer to that is, well, then the listeners may just feel 
completely discombobulated. Like, what did I just walk into? Who are these people talking? Why didn't they have a moment at the top to introduce the name of the show and themselves? Uh, what are they going to be talking about? Am I just trapped sitting next to people telling inside jokes to each other where I'm not even included? Mm. Uh, I, I think, you know, even the loosest, most conversational shows need to have some sort of structure, even if it's just intro music, uh, name of the show, name of the host, subject one, break, subject two, conclusion, uh, call to action, meaning audience shout out like, hey, thanks so much for listening. If you like what you heard, rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And then the close of the show, even if that's the only structure you have, right? but have some sort of structure because that structure gives you a place and a space if you're listening to know where you are to orient yourself. But also you as a host, it gives you something that week after week, you can just kind of fill in the blanks then. It's right. kind of like Mad Libs. Having that map of Mad Libs <laughs> like to fill that in is going to make it easier than you having no parameters at all. Parameters are our friends. Right. They really are. Are you going to walk into a warehouse as a listener? Are you going to walk into an apartment that has different rooms and I know what's in each room and I'm being greeted at the door by the person who lives here? I'd rather be in the latter situation as a listener. I don't just want to walk into an empty warehouse and be, you know, overhearing voices over here and where, where, where are they going? What's going on here? I want to be greeted at the door and walk through the house and see the different rooms. That's nice. And I, I love the comparison to Mad Libs and parameters. <laughs> that is so fun. That's the best. Um, I also like that you point out that too much banter without acknowledging your guest is a lousy way to host. Yeah, yeah. Um, acknowledging your guest, acknowledging your listeners. I always compare it to walking into a party. Let's say a friend of yours said, oh, I, you know, my coworker, Jeff, he's having this party. You're invited to meet me there. Your friend is running late, so you just walk into Jeff's party. Nobody greets you at the door. Right. You overhear a conversation here. They're yammering on and on and on. Over there, there's a conversation. Nobody ever introduced themselves to you. You don't know what person in the room is named Jeff even, or if you're at the right apartment. You don't know the point of the party. You were told that it was a theme party, but you don't know what theme it is because no one told you what the theme is. And it can feel really disorienting. And then maybe eventually you turn around and you leave that party. You were never acknowledged by the host. You were never treated like you mattered. So why would you stay at that party? Treat your listeners like the guests at your party. Treat them like they matter. And Kristen, would it be like if you and I were at that party and we were having this conversation, we were deep in conversation, but somebody walks up to us, a third person, and instead of greeting them and stopping our conversation and, and turning to them to let them know that we know that they're there, we just keep talking and we're just ignoring them. Is it sort of like that? Oh, absolutely. And okay. it's so rude. Who wants to be at that party? It's a very popular thing for podcasters to do because there are a very small handful of shows that are successful that do that. Okay. But it's a very small handful of shows that do that. And most of those shows that do that are hosted by incredibly famous people who kind of can get away with that because I see. the listeners already know who the personality is from their larger body of work, for example. So they can kind of get away with it. But if you're somebody who no one has ever heard of and you're bantering with your co-host who nobody has ever heard of, and you're talking for five to 15 to 25 minutes, and nobody knows who you are or what you're talking about. I just heard this example the other day. I wanted to hear about murder. The show is about murder. It was about crime. It was a true crime show. 
but the host spent over 40 minutes talking about their next door neighbor's baby shower. And I'm like, where is the freaking murder? I want some murder here. Right. And they just never got to it. They didn't even introduce the name of the show. And yeah, if that's what you're doing and you're wildly famous, if you're, I don't know, George Clooney and Cindy Crawford and you're hosting a show about murder, maybe you can get away with that because many people want to hear about the baby shower that George Clooney went to. But if you're somebody who nobody knows, that's a really hard act to pull off. It's really, really tough to keep the listeners interested and for the listeners to feel like their time is being respected. The tips like those are so helpful. And I want to thank you. I want to thank you and Rafer. I also want to let Rafer know that if he ever has a sick day, I'm just right here, Rafer. I'm right here. (laughs) I'm right here, Rafer. I love movies. I used to go to film festivals back in the day. It's been a while. It's been a while. I know. Um, But I want to thank you. Yeah, right. Exactly. (laughs) But I want to thank you both for your movie therapy, questionable advice, and solid movie recommendations, (laughs) and the most user friendly podcast guide. Um, as well as the consultation you provide helping people tell their stories in the best way that they can. Oh, well, thank you so much again for having me. This has been such a joy. And what you do with your show also just, it helps so many people. So uh, congratulations on your great show and thanks for having me on it. Kristen, thank you. And how do our listeners find Movie Therapy with Rafer and Kristen? Well, you can go to our website, which is raferandkristen.com, if you want to learn more about the show, if you want to subscribe, if you want to write us a letter, there's a contact form there where you can uh, seek advice. Or you can just follow me at Kristen Meinzer on Twitter, or you can search for Movie Therapy with Rafer and Kristen on any of your pod players, whether it's, you know, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, what have you. Movie Therapy with Rafer and Kristen is everywhere, Spotify, etc. Sounds great, Kristen. And thank you for joining us today for another episode of Therapy Rocks. And a reminder that you can rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And feel free to contact me at www.signadarpinion.com. See you next month.